Hey guys, welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and we're going to do a quick intro this week. Uh, I just got done recording the podcast with Mitch Matthews, today's guest, and I'm just so incredibly stoked to put it up. I'm going to upload it instantly. So I really hope you guys enjoy it. Mitch is amazing, and you'll we'll get into it in the podcast, but he... He does his own show called Dream Think Do, and really his main goal is to inspire a million dreams in his lifetime. And I just love that. I connect to that so much because growing up, I've always been the friend or the person who's been like, yeah, like if people come up and tell me an idea, I'm like, yeah, go do that. That sounds amazing. What? Uh, you know, and they, they might even come up with something completely ridiculous and I'm I've always been the guy that's like, I just want to see dreams come to fruition. And I've always been a supporter. I've always been a person that really tries to help people along the way, someone who encourages them. And Mitch does all of that and more. Um, He not only is that super enthusiastic, like, you can go get them, like, go go out and achieve your dreams. He's, he's that guy. But then he's like, but here's some strategies to help you along the way, to help you actually, if you implement these, it's going to be a lot, you're going to have a lot higher success rate. And just incredibly smart, incredibly motivational. And I love his podcast so much. Uh, it's called Dream Think Do. Um, and it's, it really helped inspire the show. So, uh, he's been on the, the, who I, you know, I make, I made a list of these would be cool guests to have on when I first started a year and a half ago. And he's been on that list since day one. So to finally get the chance to sit down and kind of pick, pick his brain has been amazing. Not only do we talk about dreams and how to achieve dreams and, you know, kind of pitfalls that people seem to, uh, get into along the way. We also, since this is an outdoor podcast, (laughs) we talk about a lot of trips, backpacking trips he's taken in his life and how he's kind of, you know, um, cultivated this need for adventure in his two sons. Uh, And as a parent, I'm really interested in that topic because, you know, my daughters are one and a half and four right now. And already in my mind, I'm like, we're definitely hiking the Colorado Trail, you know, when they're older. Um, We're going to do this and we're going to do that and blah, 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 blah. And it's just, it's really cool to sit down with other parents who have been successful and whose kids, even though they're in their late teens, they want to hang out and they want to go hiking. And so, you know, kind of picking his brain and hearing some of his strategies along that line uh, was really interesting to me. And, you know, we always talk about what does adventure mean to a person and what can it teach us, especially in the ages that his boys are, which are teenage, teenage ages. Like how important is adventure for developing humans? Um, So, yeah, so we get into all of that and I'm really excited, as you can tell. So I'm going to wrap up this intro. I want you to go on, check out Dream Think Do. Uh, you can find all this stuff at MitchMatthews.com, and I guarantee you it's going to be incredibly motivating. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, you can do us a favor and go on iTunes, subscribe to Like a Bigfoot Podcast. Um, 
leave us a review. That would help me out a lot. Uh, we're on all the social media stuff on Like a Bigfoot, so check that out. You can follow my adventures uh, over the next few months as I train for this incredibly difficult and intimidating stage race uh, through the desert. It's called Desert Rats, put, put on by Gemini Adventures. And basically, we're going to start in Fruta. We're going to run different distances over six days, over a hundred and some miles. I'm not even sure. I haven't I haven't looked yet, even though I probably should. Um, and all the way to Moab, Utah, um, each night camping with the group of people. If you guys are interested in signing up, go to their website, Gymni Adventures. Uh, it's the Desert Rats Race. Uh, should be... Should be one of the biggest adventures I've ever personally stepping up to. Stepping? I don't know. That's not a word, Chris. Uh, for adventures I've stepped up to. Um, so, yeah, check that out. You can follow that. I'm going to definitely be posting things about training and me suffering and, and some more training and then some more suffering. And then waking up early. And <laughs> that's basically what you can expect. Sunrises, sunsets uh, in the mountains. So, uh, you can kind of expect that if you, if you, if you go on and look at look for us on like a Bigfoot on any of the social media stuff. All right, let's get into it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast episode number eighty four. That's crazy. We've done eighty four of these uh, with Mitch Matthews. All right, this week. I'm so I'm just so incredibly excited, Mitch. Um, I have Mitch Matthews on the podcast, and you know I've listened to your podcast, Dream Think Do, and I know your your kind of life mission is to inspire a million dreams. Yeah, and uh, so this podcast was inspired from listening to your to your show. Um, it's it's such a cool thing, man. To look at, you know, I have I have podcast envy. Every picture you put up on <laughs> Facebook and the Instagrams, I'm like, ah, what a cool life! And yeah. so to know that a part of the podcast came from, you know, or was inspired by Dream Think Do is such an honor. It's, it's so cool, super and it's cool. fun fun to come, you know, full circle and get to be on your show, man. Yeah, man. So now you have nine hundred ninety nine. Thousand nine hundred ninety nine. <laughs> just checking it off the list, man. Just checked it off the list. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, so uh, oh. a few years ago, when Calvin Johansson, our mutual friend, yeah. was uh, doing his hundred mountains in a hundred days, he was on your show, and I was listening to it. And you know, your whole message is go out and chase your dreams, chase chase the things you've always wanted to do, but you were scared to kind of step outside yeah. the box and do. And I was thinking to myself because I was on a walk with my baby. My, in a stroller and I was thinking to myself I'm like what what are some dreams I have and I had attempted a podcast a few years earlier and you know after listening to Calvin's episode and then listening to more of yours I was just like all right I'm doing it <laughs> <laughs> well heck if this buffoon can do it I certainly can do it right? <laughs> definitely well, then, you know I, I love that you know Calvin's story is just so awesome because it, it's an example of because I, I am I, I'm all about inspiring people to go after their dreams get clear on the dreams like you're talking about and go after their dreams but I'm also not a huge fan of like crazy blind leaps of faith like I get my job or I, I think of a dream on Wednesday I quit my job on Thursday like <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that right and I loved you know Calvin 
that was a calculated step of faith and a series of steps of faith, right? And that's what you've done too. Like you didn't say, I'm going to start the podcast and then depend on it for my, my income, you know, so I'm going to quit everything else and just do this. It's like, no, you're doing it as an experiment. It's growing. You're rocking it. Um, but it, you're able to cultivate this dream and not rush it, you know? Yeah. And so I'm a big fan of that approach. Yeah. You know what I've, uh, and this was our Cal kind of Calvin's, uh, motto during his hike too. And I've stole it from him and use it for the podcast, oh. but, uh, it's the classic ACDC song. Uh, it's a long way to the top if you want to yeah. roll. So <laughs> every time I'm doing the podcast, I'm just thinking that, you know, it's like, Hey man, let's see what I just, I like seeing what comes from something like just putting right. yourself out there and then be like, let's see where this goes. I think that's uh, really interesting. Well, I do too. And it's, it's also, to me, it's one of those that, you know, one of my life, uh, maybe mottos or principles or whatever is just to be curious. Yeah. Right. Like to be curious. And that's, that's one of the things like here we are, we're going to spark a hundred new podcasts. But like for me, one of the, I, I love doing a podcast cause you can reach so many people and help so many people and all of that. But it's just this great excuse to be curious. Like, I, you know, you get to talk to interesting people and get up in their brains and stuff. It's like, how awesome is that? So, cool. so yeah, I'm with you, man. Yeah. It's a cool, uh, excuse to have a conversation for an hour or two. You know, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So yeah. true. But one thing I was really kind of drawn, drawn to you on your podcast is just your encouragement, your positivity, your enthusiasm. I mean, yeah. Is that something you, you just have always naturally been, or have you cultivated that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It's probably a both and like I am a highly caffeinated guy. So that, <laughs> that you know, helps. caffeine always helps. I, I will say I lean on caffeine, but hey, God gave it to us. So why wouldn't I? Right. Um, but I also I'm wildly blessed to do something I love, you know, like that's that's my day job is stuff that I legitimately enjoy. And not to say that it's easy. I always say a dream job is a job where the suck factor is less than 20%. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think every job is going to have something you don't enjoy, right? And my job legitimately 15% suck factor. The yeah. rest, I really dig it. So, uh, you know, it's, it's that, it's that whole thing. So I, I think that that also lends into it. I also, it's one of those that, you know, part of my mission is to help people be more of what I, what they were put on the planet to do. You know, and when I get to see that happen or, or, I mean, man, I'm going to be juiced for the next 24 hours, just knowing that dream thing do was just like that, that juices me, man. So, yeah. you know, it's that kind of stuff where it's like, that's, you know, it's, it's a cool ride. That's so, cool. but I have to do other things to stay motivated. Cause it's like, you know, it, like everybody, um, if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't nurture yourself and your soul and, and all of that, um, then you can dry out. You know, it's like, I have seen a whole lot of people. I just, you know, uh, you know, I just, uh, finished my last book and it was all about dream jobs. And I can't tell you the number of people that had achieved, you know, either found or created their dream jobs, but also would tell me stories of kind of falling out of love with that job because they didn't take care of themselves. Yeah. And so you have to you have to cultivate that. You have to find ways to take care of your soul and take care of who you are, yeah. no matter what what your day job is. How do you, how do you cultivate that then? 
That's a great question. So, uh, you know, for me, it's kind of a combo platter. Okay. Uh, you know, I always <laughs> say, you know, a person has to calibrate their rest because the way, you know, somebody like I've got a good friend that's super extroverted and the way that he rests is hanging out with five people. Like my day job is spending, you know, days with 300 strangers in a room, which I think is God's great sense of humor because I'm actually more of an introvert. Yeah. So for <laughs> me, like I have to calibrate my rest and not feel bad that that part of the way that I rest is to get away. Okay. Right. And to be alone or to be just with my family, that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, I spend a lot of time praying and, and reading and that kind of thing. And also, man, right up your alley is I got to spend time in the wild. Now I used to live in Montana. I grew up in Iowa and then have lived in England a couple of times, lived in Montana, lived in Chicago and back in Iowa, love Iowa. But like our wild is a little different than Montana's wild, Colorado's wild, all that stuff. But I still, I got to spend time in the woods and, and getting away. And that, that, that just does my heart so much good too. Yeah, totally. And I'm from Iowa too. And I, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm from Muscatine, uh, around the Mississippi yeah, river and the craziest thing happened, you know, so as soon as I moved out of Iowa, I moved to Virginia for a couple of years. Now I'm in Colorado and I got into trail running and big time hiking. And I've always loved the outdoors, um, but I was always under the mindset of like, Iowa doesn't have a lot of outdoors, blah, blah, blah. Right. And as soon as I started doing that though, I'd come home to my mom's house and then I'd research like, where are there areas in Iowa to hang yeah. out? And they're all over the place. Turns they're out. They're like legit. <laughs> yeah. It's just, we're not known for it. Yeah. And if you grow up, that's kind of, I grew up in small yeah. town, Iowa and I cultivated uh, a fascination for the mountains while I was in college. I didn't really, I mean, I was, I rode bikes, I ran that kind of stuff, but I didn't really get into backpacking until college. Um, but kind of like you, I went out and I, I spent time in Colorado while I was in college. I'm like, Oh man, Iowa's so flat. It's yeah. kind of boring. And now man, we, we go like my boys and I, we, you know, we know that we're getting ready for trips to Montana or Colorado in the summer. We always try to do that. Um, but we found some just amazing trails and they're not they're not as Instagram worthy as your <laughs> runs on a you know Tuesday night or a Saturday morning. Yeah. But still, it's pretty good, you know? So it and it's it's that whole thing of being grateful for what you got and, and to use what you got where you're at. Totally. Well, okay, so I gotta ask you a couple questions about yeah. hiking with your boys. Um I'm a dad right now. My kids are four and one, so yes. pretty tiny still, but but you know, as you're raising kids, what I just, I just feel like the outdoors and big adventures, mostly like adventures. I think that's totally. so incredibly important in their growth as they're, totally. especially, you know, going through adolescence and all that fun stuff. So absolutely. Yeah. But well, it's also having that, that thing to do with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that, that is that. Cause that's for my guys. Like we've got two dudes now that are 17 and 19. <laughs> they are awesome. I mean, literally, I, I can get misty. Um, they'll just, yeah, stop it. But like, uh, I love our time in the mountains, our time hiking, all that stuff is, is some of my favorite time. And it's something we look forward to all year. And it's, yeah. you know, we gear up for it, all that stuff. But like one of my favorite pictures, I can go grab it here in a second, but it won't do any good for the podcast. But <laughs> one of my favorite pictures is our first trip, taking the boys, uh, to Montana. Our oldest son was actually born in Montana but we moved away when he was about one and a half to almost two. And then our, our, 
younger son was conceived in Montana. How you do? <laughs> uh, but uh, he was born in Chicago. Um, so um, we we had to like take them out to Montana and start cultivating yeah. this. But like our first trip was our youngest was three, our oldest was five, right? And I knew that that like someday we would take marathon trips and that's what we do every summer now we take some sort of crazy cool backpacking marathon kind of trip but back then i knew a couple of miles a day maybe would be pushing it right but i wanted to make it an adventure so one of my favorite uh you know one of the first times we went on a hike uh our youngest was three our oldest was five and this this sounds totally cheesy and i've i've confessed to them now <laughs> but at the time i went and bought some arrowheads, <laughs> some some Indian arrowheads, right? And yeah. what we did was we went on this trail in Montana, one of my favorite trails, and I I uh, would stash these Indian heads, you know these you know uh, uh, arrowheads along the trail when the guys weren't looking, and so on our way back we found arrowheads right and their heads <laughs> just about exploded right and i'm talking with them about how you know people used to track and and find trails and all this kind of stuff and man they came back with these arrowheads and it was just like they you know found a piece of heaven and all this kind of stuff but i i tried to from the very beginning cultivate this wonder and you know we, we didn't always pull off arrowhead kind of stuff but like i wanted that kind of experience. So like, you know, we were hiking in grizzly country. And so even though they didn't know how bear spray worked, I still had them hold little, little cans of bear spray, yeah. you know, all these kinds of things. Cause they were a part of the adventure and now they've got all their own gear. We laugh about the arrowhead thing a little bit, all that <laughs> stuff. But like, um, that's what we do together. And they're really good. Like they've got incredible endurance. Uh, you know, they know the basics, you know, first aid, starting fires, uh, you know, all that stuff. They, they carry their own hammocks. Now we got, you know, everybody's got their own hammock systems, all that stuff, but it's just a blast. But it started with them being three and five and doing these little, little hikes. And it's doing what you're doing, man. You, you, if that's all they ever know, that's what they know. And they love it. Yeah, definitely. What, how would you, I guess this isn't always an interesting question, but like if you just defining adventure, what, what would you define adventure as? Hmm. Well, I love, I don't know if you ever watched, there's a YouTube series called expedition. Uh, what is it? Oh shoot. I'm going to overland I, expedition. Overland. Yeah, okay. I've, I've seen it. I haven't watched it. It's, it's amazing. I love it. Those guys, <laughs> I mean, talk about day jobs, uh, that are dream jobs. It's amazing. They go and take their, they, they, uh, are all forerunner guys. So they take these forerunners and go all literally all around the world and do these expeditions and stuff like that. But I love that one of their things they talk about is adventure is the intentional pursuit of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, it's like, how great is that? And, and one of the things I've talked about with our boys is like, we always, every summer we try to take a bigger backpacking trip and we're always looking for a different type of challenge, right? So one year we were in South Dakota and, uh, and I love hiking in the Badlands and the Badlands is one of the only places that kicked Bear Grylls butt <laughs> and he quit. Right. It was one of the only places in the United States. So I love hiking out there. And one summer they had a ton of rain. And so I said, I, I told the guys, I said, let's find a trail where there's a bunch of river crossings 
And so we did a trail where we were hiking and there was, there was 32, we did 32 river crossings on this hike and it was, it was awesome. And you know, we're from, they're from Iowa. I'm from Iowa. We don't do river crossings in Iowa, but it was like, it was this awesome thing of, of, you know, a couple of months of preparing to say, all right, how do we do that with full packs? What do we do? What's that look like? What shoes do we wear? What, you know, what, what do we need to carry all those kinds of things and then going and doing it. And then sometimes totally getting our butts kicked. Yeah. But it's awesome. And and I think probably one of the biggest crises that we face in the United States, and we do it in the name of love, but it's the biggest disservice that we can do to our children is to remove problems from their lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, I get it. I get why we do it. And I, I'm even tempted to do it. Yeah. But like the intentional pursuit of trouble. Yeah. Is, is how awesome is that? Because we get to do it together. So like, uh, two years ago we went on a trip and this is just straight up bad planning, Chris, honestly, <laughs> but it was at the same time, it wanted to be an awesome is we took this trip and we were again in South Dakota. We were back in the badlands and, uh, the, it was the year after we'd done this river crossing trip The the challenge was, is that they'd had a drought this year. And so I had everything, we had everything for a full day of water, but then I had everything we needed. We had, we all had filtration. We had life straws, all that stuff. But we, we went out on this trail, went about 10, 12 miles in and could not find water anywhere. And it it all set in like, we were like crap, you know? And it's that packs planning on a couple of days, all that stuff. And it's setting in probably around three in the afternoon that all of these, you know, here we are carrying this map all these creek bread creek beds are like you step on them it's dust it's not there's no there's no digging down to find stuff it's dust and there's a part of me that's like well i would cuss if you're yeah you know, but it was like i was like crap you know like and i finally had to confess to the guys it was like i made a really screw this up yeah you know and they're like cool you know like <laughs> what we want to do right and so we had to figure out we wound up hiking i think we wound up hiking like 21 miles that day (laughs) you know we basically kind of did what we thought was going to take you know probably two and a half three days or whatever we wound up doing it in a day and it was amazing it was so awesome we wound up just with this little bit of water left in one of our camelbacks and it was awesome like we were so exhausted they were you know we were everybody was just wiped but it was the best exhaustion ever and, and they still reference that yeah. all the time. Like there's, if there's trouble, you know, and it's not all, we're not singing, you know, rainbows and butterflies, <laughs> you know, somewhere over the rainbow. But at the same time, like I know that, you know, when they're facing challenges at school or when they're facing challenges, you know, our oldest is in college now, like when they face some challenges, they think back to those times and go, all right, I know I've got, I'm tough. Yeah. Right. Like, and, 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 you know, part of that was again, bad planning on my part, but part of it was just, I think God's good design to say you're tougher than you think you are. Yeah. And the only way you find that out is putting yourself in these kinds of, you know, in these kinds of situations. That's cool. It's funny. I wrote, when I wrote that, uh, kind of idea down, I wrote adventure is intentional adversity, which is basically (laughs) exactly what you're saying. And it's, that's probably a better way to say it than intention. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, but still, it's like your adversity training almost because, yeah. you know, in real life, things are going to come out of nowhere that you're not expecting. And, you know, you're going to have to be able to somehow get yourself through that situation. And it's totally. it's really cool as a parent, I have to imagine, um, because you don't get to see your kids every day at school. You don't get to see how they handle hey. 
challenges or you don't get to see how they handle like when things go wrong and then so to be out on a hike and then when things all like they always go wrong in some way or the other sometimes major and sometimes smaller but like to see them out there and see how they actually handle that and like you said learn lessons from that i think that's super powerful for kids Right. Well, it's funny because it's one of the things we have a policy. We're like we're all Jesus people. So it's like it's it's uh, it's funny. You know, we don't cuss around our house a whole lot, but we have a cussing policy when we're backpacking. <laughs> yeah. So mom doesn't go. She she stays. She rests. She does yeah. spas. She's you know, all that stuff. She, she's a good hiker, but she doesn't like the backpacking stuff. So when we're out backpacking, when we take this big monster trip. We have a cussing clause, which means you can let it rip if you want to. No trouble. No <laughs> rip. And, and it's hilarious because uh, the guys, especially our older son, totally takes me up on this. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> we when we were doing the river crossings, as an example, when we did that trip. You know, here we are, 32 river crossings. We'd figured out, all right, how do you keep your stuff dry? Um uh, you know, how do you stay upright in, in, you know, rushing water that's waist deep? What do you put on your feet? How do you protect your feet? All those things. So we'd plan on all this stuff for strategies for rushing water. Yeah. We did not plan on all of the freaking mud. <laughs> that oh we yeah. And uh. mud bogs, un, unsurpassable mud bogs. And so there was a cussing policy across the board for these freaking <laughs> mud bogs. And it was great because it was one of those, here we'd done all this prep for one of the big challenges we thought. And then we wound up smack dab literally in all this mud, which we'd not, you know, even thought about. And we had to figure it out because yeah. here we were in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and it was awesome. And, and, you know, by the end of the day, we had it figured out. We had a system, but in the morning, man, F-bombs were flying left <laughs> and right because we just had to learn as we went. That's funny. I, it's, yeah. I totally connect to that because I'm a very positive person. And I think in experiences like that, you know, it's important to be super positive. But sometimes, you know, you just want to <laughs> – it just feels good. You it's know? so satisfying. That happened, so satisfying. that happened with Calvin and I. We did an adventure race in Boone. And oh, we were yeah. so pumped. We were like – there's a canoe section. We get a canoe 10 miles. Like that's going to be so much fun. And about like half a mile into the canoe, we realized that we did not enjoy canoeing at all. So we spent the rest of the time, like our other teammates were in a different boat. They were being very positive and Calvin and I were like, no, bleep, bleep, bleep. but it was funny, man. Uh, that's cool. So where have you guys, where have you guys gone on your, on your adventures? Um, we spent a lot of time in South Dakota, which we love. Oh yeah. Okay. Montana. Cool. Uh, so, because I used to, we used to live uh, outside Bozeman, Montana. Yeah. And then we lived in Billings, Montana. Um, and then we have a place that we have access to outside Hill City uh, in South Dakota. And so those have become kind of our little oasis is where we know. Because what I love to do is I love to find new stuff, but I also love to go back to places yeah. that we've been before and, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's this kind of great combination of, of being able to to do both yeah. so have you yeah. ever have you ever gotten besides running out of water have you gotten in into any uh sketchy situations uh yeah i mean uh the, the running out of the water the the you know the uh waist deep water that kind of stuff i mean part of it too is uh just different environments so yeah. like uh this past uh summer we went to montana and part of what i wanted was we'd not done like mountain lake 
stuff. Oh, yeah. So okay. what I wanted to do was go as high as we could and camp next to a lake. So we got to uh, about 11,000 feet, just above 11,000 feet, and and then part of the payoff because it was like – the the last part was three miles kind of straight up and it was awesome. Uh, but the last part was they had to go swim in this mountain lake, which was just this side of freezing, yeah. like literally freezing. Oh, it's like 33 it degrees. So, it yeah. was so awesome though. And you know, again, Iowa kids. Uh, so it was, it was just great. But then, you know, part of that challenge is okay. Warm back up, right? Like how are you going to warm back up? And yeah. so, I think they're loving it and cursing me at all at the same time. But of course I'm doing it with them. Right. Yeah. But it's that whole thing of, I always try to, to do something we haven't done. So I always love to, to work in, you know, stuff that they're confident in stuff that they're, they're really good at, but I always try to throw in some new element every, every summer. So that's, that's fun. But also part of it is also learning from mistakes that I made in the past and, yeah. and stuff like that and, and didn't have the right equipment or all that stuff. And one of my buddies who hikes with his kids all the time, what they do too is they take trips. But his challenge, instead of like throwing in an element that's different every time, what he does is he pulls something out of their equipment and forget something every trip. <laughs> so it might be, you know, a water filter. It might be, you know, fire starter. It might be something he, <laughs> he messes with them every time and it freaking drives his kids crazy, but they still love it because they're wondering, like when they're hiking out on the first yeah. day, it's always like, dad, what did you pull? I don't know. I don't <laughs> ever mean to do that. They're like, stop, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's that it's great. Cause then they're having to figure stuff out or yeah. somebody, forget, you know, they forget a sleeping bag or he pulls it out at the last minute <laughs> or whatever and they have to figure out how to, we can stay warm and stuff. So, you know, it's different things like that, that, that I love, you know, again, cultivating the challenge together. Yeah. You got to watch out once they get bigger than you though. They'll be like, Oh, you right. pulled out my sleeping bag. I'm going to take exactly, your sleeping bag. The whole, the whole reason I did a little martial arts training is yeah. just for that reason alone. <laughs> I mean, man, they might, they might be able to take me, uh, but I, you know, I'm going to get a couple of shots in it first, at least, you know, <laughs> to get it started, protect that, myself. That's awesome, man. I love that so much. And I just, you know, as a parent, these are things you think about, like, how do you cultivate all of these important skills and, and, you know, how you, how you view yourself, you know, like I view that I have certain qualities that I want to pass on to my kids. So how do you actually like cultivate them? And I like your idea of like kind of step by step, like leveling up almost. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I also, it's when they were younger, I didn't, you know, and, and I'd always try to calibrate again for, you know, it, yeah. I have, I, I'm a big thinker like you are. So, you know, I start to get these big grandiose plans and, you know, <laughs> I remember the first time my wife's like, they're eight and six toggle <laughs> down, you know, like she's always about going, but it's like, probably not going to take Everest this year. So, you know, bring it, bring it. And, um, so, you know, it's, it's always good, you know, but, but especially now that they're older to involve them in the planning and, yeah. to like, to like, they always know, like we've got all of our gear in one spot, but like they're putting their stuff together. They're putting the stuff in the bag They're you know, and, and you can see this pride in them now because of that. Now it hasn't always been that way. Like we would I, you know, we create checklists cause I'm a to-do list guy, you know that. And, and so it'd be, they'd work from those lists initially, but now it's like, you know, they're, they're, they're packing their own bags. So, and you see that again, you see that in them and it, it, I think it creates a sense of pride, 
that there's just something about it, man. And, yeah. and I love it. And I love that you guys, I mean, obviously you can go right out to, you know, some of the most beautiful places in the world and, and just do it on a weekend. You don't have to plan all year. You know, we yeah. kind of have to plan all year to do some of the trips that we take and you guys can go beautiful places, but, but that's uh, you know, almost, that's fun too. I mean, that's something right. you're looking forward to and striving towards. So exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. right. And we know that we have to get it in too. Cause it's that, like this summer, we'll we'll probably also go. We're going to go to L.A. One of my sons uh, w- wants to be an actor. My other son wants to be a director. It's very complimentary. That works out, <laughs> yeah, right? It's it's very good. Um, uh, and so we're probably going to do a trip to L.A. Well, that'll be awesome. But I know for a fact we're going to also need to do some other trip where we can get into the wild and get away and you know introverts paradise kind of thing. So yeah. it's that it's that whole thing of trying to trying to mix it up and and uh, see different things. So well, yeah, especially with your boys being in high school and college, like that is such an insanely busy time, and it's just it's it's encouraging to hear people who are able to still, you know, develop those family bonds even through those crazy busy times. So, well, and I can tell you, man, and and I'm sure that everybody's listening probably different stages of life, different seasons, but you're doing the right thing. You know, people say like, how do you get it so that your boys want to go on a backpacking trip with you as teenagers? Like I can't get them to look at me, let alone go, (laughs) uh, you know, on a week long backpacking trip. And I'll, you know, I'll say, and this doesn't always help people, but I say, well, we did it when they were three and five. Yeah. And we did it when they were seven and nine. It's a part of and life now. It. It's exactly right. And, and it's, it's not just something dad does. It's, it's something we do. And the earlier you start it and to engage them and talk with them and, and find different ways, you know, whether it's faking arrowheads or what, but find a different ways to, to make it interesting for them, you know, cause there's. Uh, different ways to do that. Cause every kid's different, right. But, uh, there's different ways to do it and, and find out what are they into? You know, like one year we took tomahawks, right. Cause why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Right. But it's that whole thing of, you know, you learn to throw tomahawks, uh, while, you know, while we're doing it and, and, you know, just different things. I, um, yeah. So it's just different, different ways to mix it up. I love that, man. And you're teaching them self-reliance, which is, which is really cool. And especially as for teenagers, cause I teach, 13 year olds man and self-reliance is the biggest skill i think everyone needs to to figure out at that at that time you know but it uh, it is it's it's that we're removing so many of the the ways that that used to happen yeah and so we have to be even more you know whether it's parents or whether you mentor somebody or whatever you have to be more intentional about it than ever you know it used to be that that was like a way of life um and it's not so much anymore. And and so you have to find ways to to unplug and, and do that. Yeah, which br- kind of brings me to your podcast, Dream Think Do. I mean, yeah. first of all, it's a great name. It's like, Thank you. you're like, hey, this is the most simple concept. You dream something <laughs> up, you figure yeah. out how to, how to like, you know, you figure out all the outs and ins and then you do it. But, right. you know, along the lines of self-reliance, it's so incredibly hard for people to actually implement that. Like, why right. do you, why do you well, think that is? Well, I think one of the things, and, and 
um, you know, Dream Think Do, I hope it's snappy and catchy yeah. and all that stuff. But it is it is a three-step process that's actually based on the scientific method. You'll appreciate this, right? Go. But it's that, <laughs> you know, the scientific method is, I think, one of the most freeing things on the planet. I was not great at science in high school or college. I have a huge fascination for it now. All of the things that sh- science show us, all the things that we've, we've learned – but one of the most freeing things is when I when I started to look at the scientific method and I started to go, oh, my gosh, that's that's a that's a secret to life. Because, right, a, a scientist goes into the lab and says, uh, this is what I want to prove or disprove. Right. They, they basically decide this yeah. is this is what I'm going to try to do to do. Then they put together a hypothesis, which, as you well know, the definition of a hypothesis is a best guess yeah. or a well-educated guess at how something's going to go. And then you experiment. Right. And then if an, a, a scientist experiments, they test their hypothesis. And if it goes the way they thought, great. If it goes the way that they didn't think, you know, if it goes differently, that's not loss. Mm-mm. That's not failure. That's learning. And so you start the whole process all over again. Right. And so dream, think, do is based on scientific methods. So I always say and, and it's important to actually make those three very separate steps because you ask me, you know, it's so hard to do. It is, especially if the steps blend. So as an example, let me, uh, I am actually a recovering worrier, Yeah. right? So I am prone to worry. And so one of my biggest challenges is, is as I start to dream about something, right? I start to think too soon, right? I start to plan too soon and, and my planning starts to shut down my dreaming, right? And so then I never even get to doing. But what I have to realize is to be able to say, all right, I want to dream, like whether it's whether it's dreaming about the summer vacation and the backpacking trip or whether it's dreaming about something in our business, whether it's dreaming about something with a podcast or whatever, to be able to say, you know, what if what if we became a top 100 podcast? Right. Lewis Howes, who I've had on Dream Think Do before. He's he's great. Yeah, great guy. Great guy. Great podcast. Legit. He has grown that thing. Credit to Lewis. Right. So I, I look at that and go, that's awesome. And to be able to say, well, what what if? What would that be like? Right? I know it will make life perfect, but that would be pretty cool. And to allow myself to say, what would that look like? What would that feel like? All of that, right? And and to allow myself to really kind of bask in that a little bit. To say, what kind of doors would that open? Who could I what you know, who could I interview if I'm a top one hundred podcast, right? And that's dreaming. Yeah. And that's awesome. Right now, now's the time to say, okay, I like the way that feels. I like the way that looks. Now, what are some ways to make that possible? How might I do that? Right. And to be able to say, all right, it might be retooling. It might be doing something a little different, all those things. That's the thinking part. And then the doing part is then implementing and learning and experimenting and all of that. One of my favorite examples of this, um, uh, you know, if I asked you, you ride bikes. Yeah. Right. So, um, how fast do you think somebody could go on a bike? Well, so as a science teacher and uh, having seen this video, <laughs> a video mm-hmm. of like an incredibly fast bike, I can't, and I can't remember how fast they actually went, but yeah, I would guess like, I don't know, 40 miles an hour, 45. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now what that is, what we're doing right now is incremental thinking. Yeah. And that's how most people, they start with a question going, how fast could a bike go? How fast would I want to go on a bike? Right. And what did we start to do? What did you probably, you started to think, how fast have I gone? Yeah. 
Yeah. How fast do those dudes on the Tour de France go that, yeah. you know, wear the tight shorts where, you know, some people should just not wear tight shorts, right? <laughs> so it's that whole thing, right? And you go, that's incremental thinking going, well, I know that I've gone 40, so I'm guessing the fastest might be 45, right? That's incremental thinking. That's where, that's why most people say, well, I hit 100% this year. Maybe I could hit 102% next year. Okay. Right? But what if you start the back way around and be able to go, what if somebody could go 150 miles an hour on a bike? How would somebody do that? Yeah. Right? That is that's exponential thinking. You 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 ask a question and then backtrack from that. Now John Howard back in the 70s strapped his butt to the back end of a drag racing car <laughs> on a push bike. The car got him to 125 miles an hour on the salt flats and he got to 154 miles an hour on a bike on his own power. Wow. Unbelievable, right? Yeah. Now that's exponential thinking. And he was willing to, again, through a series of experiments, figure it out. Now people have beat that record, but I like John's story because he was rocking a massive mustache too, which is so <laughs> cool, right? But it's like that that kind of thing where most people stay in incremental thinking. They yeah. go, well, you know, I made I made fifty thousand dollars this year. Maybe next year I'll make fifty-two. Right. Or, 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 uh, you know, I, I was able to run 10 miles a week, you know, maybe next year I'll work my way up to 12 miles. Yeah. Right. Like th those are good things. It's always good to push yourself, but what kind of exponential thinking could you be doing? What kind of bigger dreaming could you be doing? And how do you back that up with some questions and some serious experimenting to make it happen? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I'm kind of trying to connect it to the idea of the four minute mile where everyone thought it was humanly impossible. And right. then as soon as, and the guy, I think he just died this week and I can't remember his name. I'm Roger like, Bannister. There you go. Okay. So, yeah. so as soon as he did it though, then, you know, I think there was like five or six people that year that ran totally. under four. Totally. Um, exactly right. And it's, it, I mean, it's fallen just time and time again. It's amazing what happens when one person does it. Yeah. Which is why I think it's important to do something like you're doing, which is, sharing all of these stories of these successful people um, because, you know, there might be someone out there listening to Dream Think Do or listening, in, you know, there's a whole bunch of podcasts that are inspirational, Lewis Howes, oh, right. and like maybe they hear a story from somebody and you can see point A to point like C or whatever. And yeah. they can, or point C, that's a bad example. Like point. <laughs> I liked like, it. I liked it. I was following you. Like Z. We jumped B. Forget yeah, B. you B. No. And, uh, <laughs> but you can see the steps they took to get there. And I think showing people those steps is super important in, in making someone believe that they can be successful too. I agree. I think, and, and it's, I would say a yes and to that. I, I am a huge believer in stories. I love stories part. I mean, I've always, man, I was the first kid in crisscross applesauce. If the kindergarten teacher said it's story time, <laughs> I'd be at my mat. Let's do this thing. I, yeah. I love story time, but I also find that strategies, I do believe strategies help people, but I think that stories are more powerful because I do think that if you look at most people like Roger Bannister as an example, right? Like most people that really break the rules and, and take something to the next level, they they figured it out, right? And and that's what I find is that most people, if they're properly motivated, can figure stuff out. Like I really believe that we know, like you know most of the stuff you need to know to make what you want to have happen, happen. 
right? Yeah. You can always learn from other people, all that stuff. Plus, I also believe in, I wrote about this, I've got a book called Ignite. And um, I, I wrote about a phenomenon that I've seen as I've coached people, uh, you know, worked with organizations, all that. And I, I believe in a phenomenon that I've called the intellectual immune system. And the intellectual immune system. And the whole idea is that I believe that our intellect works very similar to our body's immune system, right? So you think about how the immune system works. It's amazing, right? The immune system, it's one of those things that, like, I was on a plane recently and the guy sitting behind me sounded like he had tuberculosis. <laughs> Little kid in front of me had ooze coming out of every orifice, yeah. coughing, and all that stuff, right? And I am just praying my immune system will work to keep all of the nastiness that's in that airplane air out of my body and to shut it down, all that stuff. So thank you God for the immune system, right? <laughs> yeah. At the same time, I have a friend that needed a new kidney, right? And his immune system worked against him because his mom stepped up, perfect match, surgeon did an incredible job. But even though he knew he needed the kidney, even though it was a perfect match, even though the surgeon did a great job, his body still did what to I that rejected kidney? Rejected it. Rejected it because yeah. it came from outside him, right? Yeah. I think our intellect does something similar that I believe that a lot of times our intellect will see a solution, a piece of advice and go, yeah, but yeah. right. Not quite me or that guy's not walked in my world or, or, you know, he, you know, he had a rich parent or he had the right doors open for him, all that kind of stuff. Our intellect starts to shut those strategies down if they feel like they come from outside us. But if we actually take ownership of those ideas, if we actually feel like we have a sense of creating those ideas, then there's a much greater chance that we'll actually implement them. Yeah. So that's why I love to tell stories and then say, all right, you heard this story. What did you learn from it? Yeah. What strategies would you pull from it? Right. And so it's that whole thing of then the person, even though they heard the story, they, they heard those strategies as, you know, as a part of that story. But if they feel like, well, I heard Roger Bannister did this, and I also heard he did this, and I heard that he did this. Great. Now, how could you apply those things? Maybe yeah. it's not to run a mile, but it's to doing this. Well, I could try this, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. And then all of a sudden they're like, I'm freaking brilliant. You know, it came from inside. It's like, yes, it did. God bless you. Right. Yeah. So it's that whole thing of I'm always, always trying to beat people's intellectual immune system by inviting them into owning the solution. Yeah. And all it takes is some well-asked questions there to get them to self-reflect. And right. That's yeah. exactly right. That's yep. sweet, man. Ooh, I, yeah. I, I love it. Uh, yeah. So I, I was just about to ask you, um, cause I do want to just mention the big dream gathering. It sounds like a really neat kind of neat thing that you do. Uh, yeah. And along with that, and you can talk about that. Uh, but I was going to ask you, how do you get people to get past seeing their dreams as like unrealistic or unattainable for them. Yeah. And well, I, I mean, there's so many different things, but like one of the things that I talk about, cause with the big dream gathering, we can talk about that as much as you want to, but the big dream gathering is we get people in a room and inspire them to write down some dreams, clarify them, get them up on the walls. And then we look at them to see if we can help each other out. It's pretty yeah, cool. It's cool. But, but because of that, you know, I get to talk with people about their dreams all the time. Right. And so one of the things that's, I think really freeing for people is I always say, you know, write down your dreams, get them down on paper, because there's actually a recent study that shows if you do just a few things, you increase your chances for achieving that dream exponentially. One of those things, actually, you double your chances of achieving a dream just by writing it down. 
That's one of the things they found that people that were writing down their dreams were twice as likely to achieve them. And if you want to double down and increase your chances again, double up on that, tell someone that you know, like, and trust about that dream, hold each other accountable. People who did that again, doubled their chances. So it's that whole thing of write it down and then tell somebody about it. Booyah. So, but at the same time with the big dream gathering as an example, we have people, you know, some people will write down 30 dreams in one big dream gathering. That's awesome, right? In 90 minute period, they'll write down 30 dreams. Now you'll see, you know, Mr. Grumpy Pants will go, now wait a second. <laughs> Are all those dreams realistic? Are they really going to walk out all those dreams? It's like whatever. At the same time, I one of my one of the things that I say to people is to say, you know, just because it's not the right season for this dream does not in fact mean that it's a bad dream. And it doesn't mean that you're a slacker for not pursuing it. It just might mean that it's not the right season. I'll give you an example. I, I'm a dog guy. I love dogs. We have an Australian shepherd right now, mostly my wife's dog, beautiful dog, wicked smart, looks at me like I'm in the way because <laughs> she, she loves my wife and she puts up with me. Someday I want an Akita. Have you ever seen an Akita? No. Okay, just Google it sometime. It's like a 150-pound bear <laughs> in, a, in a dog costume. Yeah. It's, it's, it is this beautiful, lo <clears throat> loyal, uh, quiet, just this imposing thing. Now, because I travel all the time, um, you know, because we live in a residential area, all that stuff, it is not the right season for me to have an Akita. That doesn't mean it's a bad dream. It doesn't mean that I'm lazy for not pursuing that dream. It just doesn't, it just means that it's not the right season. Right. And, and there are dreams that we have and you can just say, okay, I'd love to pursue that right now, but it's just not the right time. Yeah. So I always say, you know, if, if you're one of those that, you, you know, you think about that word dream and you go, oh, yeah, I don't even know what my dreams are. That's what most people, that's most people's first reaction and that's okay. But to be able to go, okay, what might be some of your dreams? Just, just write them down and don't worry about whether it's the right time, whether you've got the right amount of money, whether you know the right people. Just start getting some down. And then as you, after you've looked at that list, and people can go to bigdreamgathering.com. There's a number of different blog posts that we have and, and videos that help with that. But one of the things that, that I you know, recommend for people is um, after you've created a bit of a list, then go back with the question, What's, what's a good dream for me to pursue in this season Yeah, right now? Like you might be busy as crap, right? You've got two little kids, you got a full-time job, you got a rocking podcast, all that stuff. You got to be careful with what dreams you go after. Yeah. You can't, you can't just decide you're going to go after some crazy big dream, you know, and, and there's going to be right seasons for different types of dreams, but right now might not be the best time to go after Everest, right? Or yeah. whatever that big thing is for you. At the same time, that's not a bad dream, and and it's it doesn't mean that you couldn't be working towards that dream. It just means what are some good dreams to pursue in this season? Yeah. And so that's that to me, it's like some you know some people might push back and go, oh, you're shooting low. It's like no, I'm practicing going after dreams. I'm learning the stuff. I'm experimenting, and that's the kind of thing that you know for me, it's one of those that the person who works that dreaming, that thinking, and the doing muscle. Man, they work up, but you don't have to rush it. 
but it's that whole thing of start small, give yourself that permission to start with those smaller dreams, this, you know, kind of, and, and start with those smaller experiments and go. And as you do that, you'll be doing wicked cool stuff in a short amount of time. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it connects to what you said earlier about just allowing yourself to have that time to dream. Um, mm. And I think I just I know from my own experience experience and I've talked about this on the show, there are days where I feel like I've distracted myself from moment one of waking up till moment 5,000 of going to bed. You know what I mean? Right. And I haven't allowed myself that time to really have that self-reflection. So is there any strategies in there that you would use um, for people struggling in that sense? Heck yeah, man. We live in a crazy distracted life. right now. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, it's one of those, I was reading a, a book um, uh, kind of about some, some different things about distraction last night. And, and, you know, since the dawn of time, there's always been distractions, but I think, you know, scientists agree that there's never been <laughs> more pulling at our attention than there is right now in yeah. this time. Now get, you know, I will shoot straight with you. I love indoor plumbing. It's trash day. Garbage collectors came and yeah. picked up our trash. I love air conditioning. I love heat. So <laughs> I am very happy with the era that I am put in. Right. So very happy with that. I'm not going to complain about it, but we do, we have to be a lot more intentional about it. But I also say, you know, same, same thing of starting small, like this, this is yet another area where we have to start small. So like, uh, you know, to be able to say, uh, we're surrounded, we're bombarded all day long, but find a 15 minute window where you're intentionally just quiet. Yeah. Right. Uh, just sitting, your body will rebel. Like in today's day and age, if you're like me, when I first start to do that, my body's like, yeah, but I should probably check my phone real quick. Right. <laughs> like something might've happened on Twitter, uh, you know, whatever. And it's just like that your body, uh, might rebel, but 15 minutes of just sitting and even breathing, like 15 minutes of, of just thinking about your breathing or what do your toes feel like right now? Or if you're sitting on your couch, what does the back of your calf feel like on the couch right now? Some people might listen to that and the dude's just crazy. He just went off the tracks, but 15 minutes of being in the moment can train your body to be in the moment more and more the rest of your day. Now, the other part of it is, is 15 minutes a day, five days a week. And you do that all year. That's 65 hours of being in the moment yeah. over the course of a year. That's a work week and a half or, you know, a work week for some people, but a work week and a half of being in the moment, right? Those are the kinds of things that you can cultivate that. And it starts to pour out into other things in your life. That rocks. That rocks. Well, I don't want to, I kind of want to start wrapping it up, but, uh, I want to hear one thing from you. So, okay. uh, what I write down? Okay. So, you know, we always talk about people being stuck in their comfort zones and how important it is to step outside the comfort zones. And, you know, every time we do that, it is, I, I love it. It's exhilarating. You know, you right. step outside your comfort zone, you do something new, you leave that experience exhilarated. It's so nerve wracking going in though. And I'm thinking about, right. uh, we lived in Des Moines for a while. My wife went to med school there and awesome. going to Des Moines jujitsu and doing a Muay Thai oh, yeah. class for the first time. So yeah. uncomfortable, like to the like maximum capital letters. Right. right? Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> but then I left and I felt amazing. So I think it's important for people 
listening to to understand like everybody does it everyone steps outside their comfort zone so do you have any stories about stepping outside your comfort zone is there anything that really sticks in your mind as something you were like intimidated to do and then you force yourself to do it <laughs> yeah man absolutely well you know it's it's that um i couldn't agree more and i think i think uh again part of the challenge of the era that we live in is the removal of discomfort right yeah, it, yeah. you know it's it's like everything around us or a lot of the things that were sold are to remove discomfort and i like comfort comfort's awesome it's right great. in the right <laughs> right place at the same time like you're saying though pushing yourself to be uncomfortable to push yourself out of the comfort zone is a really important thing but we have to intentionally pursue it and i think one of the things and, and this is one of the other challenges of the era that we live in is that we force ourselves to go pro way too early. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not going to take a class unless I know that I'm going to be good in it. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm not going to take a class unless I know I can apply it to my career or I'm not going to take my take a class unless, you know, it's kind of that. We used to, you know, you grew up in Iowa. It was probably the same thing, uh, you know, Muscatine. I grew up in Newton, which is a small oh, town. Yeah. You went out for every sport because you had to, yeah. right? Like I sucked at most sports, but I still went out for football and wrestling and sometimes basketball and track and, you know, all those things because you had to because we didn't have enough people, right? Yeah. Now it's kind of one of those where you have to specialize. Like, you know, I see these kids and like, oh, they just play soccer all year round. They just play football. All year uh, round. And it's like, it's that, you know, whether it's wrong or right, I don't know, but it's, it's one of the other things that's, that's moving us more and more towards staying in a comfort zone. Yeah. Right. So I'll give you an example though. Um, and, and it's weird because I'm a recovering worrier. I'm, I'm prone to worry. It's worry comes easy for me, but at the same time I do try to push myself. So I mentioned I lived in England and, um, I lived in England twice. Um, the first time I went, I went the year after I graduated, graduated from high school. And one of the reasons why I went, and this is weird, man, Chris, <laughs> you know, I'm weird, but like, I wanted to go and study American history in England. That's super interesting. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I wound up taking uh, American history from an anti-American socialist <laughs> and it was fascinating. Yeah. Like I wound up getting ticked off at her a couple of times. She got ticked off at me a number of times too. Like the time where she said a blanket statement of all state workers in the United States are corrupt. And my dad worked for the state of Iowa, you know, most of his professional career and I'm standing up and a veins popping out of my head and you know, all this stuff and we're going back and forth. Like you can't say blanket statements like this. No, oh, I bloody well can, you know, yeah. all these kinds of things. Right. But it was, it was fascinating to get their perspective on the American revolution as an example, right? All those things. So, so in some ways that's an example, but, but while I was there, um, actually the second time, um, I went to a university and I, I told myself, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do, cause they do a lot of club sports. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like intramurals, but they have these clubs and, and it, it's just amazing. But I went to a, uh, Sheffield university, which is up in Northern England, which if you can think of, Northern England is basically Southern Scotland. Yeah. So if you think of Braveheart, yeah, it's like it's like kind of that kind of area. It's absolutely gorgeous. But Sheffield is like Detroit in the middle of Chicago or in the middle of Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all these mountains, but it's like it's like a really industrial town. So all that to be said, I told myself I wanted to row, 
Okay. I grew up in Iowa, right? And and in little town Iowa, so rowing was not a thing. But I was in pretty good shape, and and I went to University of Northern Iowa, and we had a pretty good gym and pretty good weight room, and so there was a really good rowing machine in there. And so I thought, you know, I'm pretty good. I can rock this rowing machine, but I'm not comfortable on water, and I've never been in one of those freaking narrow boats with the big <laughs> freaking oars and all this stuff. But I told myself I want to do something I've never done before. I may like it look like an idiot, but I also told myself I look like an idiot on the other side of the planet. I'm never going to see most of these people you know, the rest of my days, right? Yeah. So if there's ever a time like an idiot. So, you know, it's funny because at first they they were all about fitness, right? And that I was pretty good at fitness. So honestly, I, I was kind of uh, probably overconfident. And, and like they had this thing where they had a rowing machine just like University of Northern Iowa – so I went head to head with the team captain and I was pretty good, man. I was rocking it, but he kept smiling at me. Like I got you, man. And, and I was like going toe to toe with him endurance wise, all that stuff, but he's smiling. I got it later on because he knew that everything that I knew up to that point was going to get thrown out the window. The minute I put my little butt in that narrow freaking boat and yeah. tied my feet into the shoes that weren't <laughs> coming out of that boat, right? They were like bolted to the boat. And I, I literally, you, you know, you probably can't see it, but I have scars all over my thumbs and all over my index fingers and my, because I was terrible and the oars would always come together and crunch and munch and I'd walk away my, just bloody, all this stuff. But I can remember like the first two weeks of crew, I was exhausted. I was terrible. I could never get in sync, but I'll never forget. Cause we would go to these mountain lakes to practice that were up in the mountains, which you wouldn't think of England as mountains, but if you think of Braveheart, it's like that. And I'll never forget, like I was cursing it. I, I, I'm an idiot. I'm not coming back. It was cold. We'd go up there early in the mornings. We'd get in the water and get wet. And you'd be freezing and working hard and just thinking, this freaking sucks. <laughs> but I could remember I was at a four-man crew and all of us were new and we had a coxswain with us and and she's trying to get us to coordinate and we suck and all this stuff. But one mid morning, I, I kid you not, it was like God orchestrated the whole thing, but sun starts coming up over this ridge and all of a sudden it clicks. And it was the absolute best feeling like all of us in sync, all of us on this lake, it was just rocking. And then of course, you know, three minutes later, I probably flub up and all the oars start clacking and we about <laughs> roll over and all this kind of stuff. But I just thought, Oh man, this is it. Right. And, and that's, it was to your point earlier. It's, you know, you, you don't, you, everything in your body wants to stay in the comfort zone. Right. And, and everything, like even when you're in the midst of it and it's uncomfortable and you're scared or you're embarrassed or whatever, you're like, this freaking sucks. I'm an idiot for doing it, all yeah. that stuff. But then there's those moments of clarity and breakthrough that only a handful of people in the world get to experience because most people stay in the comfort zone. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I remember in the boat and, and we wound up really actually getting pretty good as a team and, and wound up having some amazing experiences. But I remember thinking to myself in that moment, especially that first time where it really clicked going, there's only a handful of people that have gotten to experience this. And that's freaking awesome. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think every time, every time we push through and get to have that, you know, there's just that smile. And it was the smile that the captain had, right? That smile. He's like, 
you don't know it yet, but you're going to know it someday. <laughs> and it's, you know, but it's that like, and I was like, ah, right. So, you know, it's, I always say every time you break through the comfort zone, you join this small group of people. And when you see that person, it's a, almost like fight club. Do you remember fight club? Yeah. Like when they were walking around, like you can't talk about you fight club, but they would look at yeah. right? black eyes or somebody's got a bloody lip or whatever. And it was just this bond. Yeah. Right. And it, it doesn't have to be guided. I mean, it's like, but when you push through and you've had those moments, you see other people that are living life that way. And it's from across the room or whatever. And it's just that nod. It's that, it's that wink, whatever it is, man. And you're just like, yeah, it's like, those are the people I want to hang with. Yeah. You know, those people that have had that moment, whether it's in a boat, whether it's on a mountain, whether it's just pushing yourself and you gave a presentation and you wanted to throw up the whole time, but it still worked out. Right. It's those kinds of moments where you join that small group of people. And that's who I want to hang out with. That rocks, man. That's like the perfect place to end it. So thank you so much, Mitch. Uh, where can people kind of tune in or hear more from you? Find out. Well, sure. They can go to MitchMatthews.com. Okay. Uh, so that, or go to DreamThinkDo.com yep. or BigDreamGathering.com. Okay. Uh, that's, I try to be in, you know, all over the web, man. Yeah. Uh, but if you <laughs> want to start a Big Dream Gathering or MitchMatthews.com, those are probably the best places to start. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, man. I'm so grateful that I got to listen to you. I got to just throw questions at in. You know, you, it seems like I could throw any topic at you and you'd be like, let me just tell you this amazing, super inspirational story real quick. <laughs> well, you stayed in my sweet spot. We didn't get into physics. We didn't get into yeah. math or calculus or anything, yeah, yeah. but, uh, no, and you're, you're a great interviewer too, man. I just, I love this. And it's an honor to know, I think you're on a trajectory to just do amazing things with this podcast. And I know people are wildly blessed by it. And to think that dream think do had just even a little part in that did just, a, lot, again, a, part, a lot of parts. It just, so it's just need to know, man. So keep it up, man. You're doing a great job. Yeah, thanks, man. We'll we'll have to get back at you at some point. Please do. Yeah, absolutely. All right, see ya. That wraps up the show. Thank you again, Mitch. You are just a wonderful, enthusiastic, high energy, high motivational guy. So I really appreciated talking to you, and you're the man. And I hope I hope we can meet up at some point in the future. I'm definitely going to his big dream gathering the next time he's in the front range area, Denver, Colorado Springs, Fort Collins kind of area. Um, I know he was out here a year ago and I've, I missed it and I can't remember why something came up and I've regretted it since then. It sounds so incredibly cool. So, uh, and it, you know, if, I guess if you didn't catch what it is, it's essentially he gathers a bunch of people. They all post their dreams on the walls and then they basically interact as a community to figure out if they can help anybody or if anyone can help them accomplish their dreams. So super cool. I think it's incredibly important to dream big um, as a community um, and with that community to support you. Uh, so anyways, next time, if you see the Big Dream Gathering, look him up on his website, MitchMatthews.com. And if you see it in your area, I would highly, highly suggest going. Um. So I was thinking, I was like, okay, last week I like dropped some quotes from a book on people. And I was like, man, those are good quotes, but it's been a week and I haven't read a book. <laughs> so I don't know any more quotes. Um, so I was trying to think like, what could I leave someone leaving or what could I kind of leave you guys with if you've been listening to this podcast and you want some, some sort of 
something else to kind of inspire you. And so this week, and I think it's only available in, in March. So if you're listening to this later, I apologize. Uh, hopefully you can find this online. You know, ho- I'm guessing it'll probably go to Netflix, but um, oh man. And now that I think of it, I'm going to recommend this thing. And the name is, <laughs> it's completely kind of the name of this. It's a documentary. And it's about the Barkley Marathons. Uh, if you don't know what the Barkley Marathons are, um, <laughs> you're going to see why I'm laughing in a minute. If you don't know what the Barkley Marathons are, it's this insane race through Tennessee. It's like 130 miles. Only 15 people have ever finished it. Um, it's just impossibly hard, right? There's an excellent documentary on Netflix right now called Barkley Marathons, The Race That Eats Its Young. Uh, and then this week they... They put out uh, Ginger Runner, who's just an excellent kind of online guy. He put out his own documentary where he follows this one runner, this guy named Gary Robbins. And it's Gary Robbins' two-year attempt at finishing the Barkley Marathons. And I don't want to spoil spoil anything, but year one, uh, I mean, I guess I can spoil year one. 2016, he made it to the final loop and then didn't finish so he got incredibly close to accomplishing his goal and then didn't finish um and the documentary is about the unbelievable hard work that he puts in to step back up to the barkley marathons year two and i don't want to spoil anything but it's for everybody who runs into a speed bump along the way and just know Whatever your goals are, you're going to have those speed bumps. You're going to bump into them. Do not let them stop you. They're not stop signs. They're just speed bumps. And uh, if you expect them and you know that that is the way you ultimately grow and get better and learn, all uh, you know, all the better to you. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's what this movie's about. It really like exemplifies this. So... This is a long way. I haven't told you the title because I'm just laughing so much because this is coming right after Mitch's podcast. But the title of this documentary is called Where Dreams Go to Die. (laughs) Um, It's fantastic, though. And it really does connect to anybody who's ever had a dream or an audacious goal. Uh, It can connect to all of us out there. And... um, But yeah, I just think it's kind of ironic where dreams go to die. I'm going to end it with that. After we've talked about the big dream gathering and dream think do and all these amazing dream things. And then you're like, but at the Barkley marathons, they go there to die. But, uh, but yeah, ultimately you will see just amazing accomplishments of human endurance during the video. And though, although everyone at the Barkley marathon does not accomplish the goal, in fact, most people do not. I would say they leave there with this renewed confidence and this renewed spirit because they faced down the beast and, you know, they had the bravery and the guts to do such a thing. So anyways, check it out. Um, I think he has it online. Like I said, this is in March. So he has it online all, all of March. And then after that, I'm expecting it to go to Netflix or Amazon or whatever. So it's a really fantastic movie, though, and I know you guys will enjoy it. But all right, once again, thank you, Mitch. Check out his stuff, mitchmatthews.com. Check out our stuff. It's all under Like a Bigfoot. Um, 
Subscribe on iTunes if you enjoyed it. Check even, you know, check back through our archives. Maybe there's only a few episodes that you think will connect with you. That's cool too. Go out and check those out. We've had some amazing guests and and like I said at the beginning, I just want to thank thank Mitch so much for doing Dream Think Do It. It really it makes it makes your goals seem doable. So so yeah, check out all of his stuff. All right, that wraps up for the week. We'll get back at you next week. See ya.